Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Side by side, the girls floated down from the corner of the room. Their arms were wrapped so snugly around each other, they seemed fused as one. This was how they'd always been. They called out, Mum! And the sound was cloud music, silken and unearthly. As she lay on her side, tears bled from their mother's eyes and pulled into her ear. Now she could go on for another day. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. I've just read the opening lines of a story called The Homecoming that features in my book Spirit Sisters. Without question, this was one of the hardest stories I've ever written. On March 5, 2004, New South Wales mum of two, Kath Campbell, was out of town with her husband, Greg. She'd decided to join him on the Melbourne business trip at the last minute and she was feeling upbeat having just bought pretty new swimming costumes for their daughters, Jessica, eight, and Rebecca, nine. Then a phone call upended their world. Their lovely little girls had perished in a horrific car accident that had also claimed the life of their devoted grandmother, Barbara. The accident involved a huge truck and five cars on a perilous two-lane stretch of the Pacific Highway in Bulladeela, on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. For Kath, who was cracked open by grief, it was only the profound experience of seeing her children's spirits on the night when her pain was at its peak, which gave her the desire to go on living. When I first interviewed Kath more than a decade ago, I was struck by her strength, authenticity, humour and her big heart. And that's exactly what I encountered when we caught up again for this interview which I'm honoured to share with you today. Now 51 and mum to 10-year-old Tom, Kath takes us back to that life-changing reunion with her girls and fills us in on what life has held for her in the last decade. Tragically, there was more pain in store for Kath, as she reveals, which she handled with incredible grace and courage. Please note that as part of her story, Kath discusses feeling suicidal in the wake of her immense loss. If this brings up pain for you, please call the Crisis Support Helpline. In Australia, that is Lifeline on 13 11 14. Now, here's my conversation with the inspiring Kath Campbell. I hope you enjoy it. So here we are with Kath Campbell and I'm so very happy to welcome you to the Spirit Sisters podcast, Kath. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much for, for speaking with me again. I was just 
you'd actually just before I pressed record, you'd asked me about whether you know lots of the um, ladies that I interviewed in Spirit Sisters were happy to come on the show, and I was just about to tell you that there are certain stories that really have never left me. They've sort of been imprinted on my heart, and they're the ones that I've reached out to first. And I can absolutely say that your story is in that category. And so, yeah, so I... Um, I'm, I'm grateful for that, I'm, and I'm happy to talk about it because I believe it, I, I know it, I, yeah. So, so that's why I actually haven't done that much kind of in-depth research to track down a, a lot of the ladies quite yet. I mean, I'll get there, but there were some that I immediately knew I had to mm. catch up with, and you're one yeah. of them, Kath. And oh, it's it's lovely. it's delightful to speak with you on your your day off, and you don't have canteen today, so that's good. No, no, <laughs> no all good. Having a, having a relax. Oh, that's brilliant. So, Kath, I think to begin, um, well, as I would have said in the introduction, your beautiful little girls, Jessie, eight, who was eight at the time, and and Becky, who was nine, they passed away in an accident on the fifth of March, was it, Kath? Yes, yeah, in March 2004. In 2004. So um, in Spirit Sisters, you told me about an absolutely unforgettable experience that you had experiencing their spirits, the girls' yes. spirits, and and I, what I'll never forget, I mean, there's so much that's unforgettable about that story, but the effect that that um, experience had on you was life-changing and actually life-saving, we could even absolutely. say. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was the day that I'd... Yeah. had to pick up their ashes and the accident didn't only include them and included my husband's mother yes. so there were three sets of ashes and the particular gentleman at the crematorium went to put them in a plastic bag and it was like he was putting a plastic bag over their heads and I just completely fell to pieces went running out of the building and I was probably grateful now that it wasn't close to the road because I was prepared to run in front of a car or a truck I just couldn't take it another minute mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to be with them. Mm. It was just the most horrendous thing. And that night was when they visited me. Wow. And I think they knew I was at my lowest and I was just didn't want to be there. Um, yeah, so and that's when they visited me that night. Mm. So I remember um, when I spoke to you originally, Kath, you also said to me that um, you had been saying to Greg, your husband, Please, Greg, come with me. Let's be a family again on the other side. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Times. And he's, don't be silly, don't yeah. cut it out. You know, he was a little bit stronger at the beginning. Yeah. Being a stay-at-home mum. Oh. I thought it might have hit me a little bit harder because I'd lost my job. Um, yes. As well as my children. Um, but he was sort of stronger at the beginning where I think he fell to pieces later on. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, as you say, that the girls had a sense that this was you at your lowest ebb, that your pain was at its peak. And that's, Absolutely. Yeah, and that's when they came. So please tell us again what happened in as much detail as you can remember about the, this beautiful sure. visit. Yeah, I was um, obviously crying myself to sleep. Um, I'd, I'd finally fallen asleep. I was in a really, really deep sleep and... Whenever anyone visits me, I get this ringing in my ears and I cannot move. It's not that I'm frightened or anything like that. I'm mm. just I'm paralysed for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was laying on my side, on my left side with my arm out of the bed. 
and the noise sort of started and I, I, I felt this tingling and I, I just knew someone something was about to happen and the girls were in the corner of the room and it, they yelled out, Mum! Mm. It was just the most special... It was as if I was coming home from the holiday we were on and they were running to me to give me a cuddle. And they, they came across the room ever so gently. I couldn't quite see um, faces or anything. It was just a white outline. I could see Becky was on the left and Jessie was on the right. There was just a, a slight height difference. They came across the room and with my arm out of the bed, they both grabbed my arm and I could feel the pulse coming up in into my chest. Mm. And I knew, I don't know why, I just knew not to blink because I knew as soon as I would blink, I knew they'd be gone. Mm. And I'm laying there with my arm out of the bed. Um, tears were just pouring down the left side, just across my nose and down past my other eye. It was, I just, I wanted to speak. I, I wanted to say, how are you? What are you doing? You know, who's yeah. looking after you? And I just, I just said all these things in my mind hoping they could hear me mm. and they just stood there holding my arm and I was, kept feeling the pulse into my chest and mm. obviously I blinked and they were gone. And then after that were you able to move? Yes, yeah. yes as soon as they left, as soon as they left yeah. I was, yeah, because I wanted, I tried to jump up and cuddle them yeah. but I, I just couldn't, I, I wasn't able to. Yes. And Kath, you mentioned this um, this sense of a pulse that the girls, you know, by holding your hand, they sent a pulse up your arm and into your chest. What do you think that was, that pulse? What was that that they, what were they sort I, of transmitting to you? I, I personally felt they were trying to touch my heart. Mm. They were trying to... I really don't know how to explain it. I just felt that because the pulse was coming from them to my heart, I just felt that everything's going to be okay. We love you. You know, all those sorts of thoughts. Oh, wow. Mm. And I, just, I still don't understand it, really. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that was the most intense um, interface I had with them. And yeah. I feel that every subsequent visit from them it's been of a lesser intensity yeah and I've I've honestly felt that they've tried to wean me off them because they knew how much I've needed and wanted them that mm. says so much doesn't it about you know the eternal nature of our spirits and and the eternal nature of love it's amazing absolutely yeah absolutely Wow. So we touched earlier on how significant this experience was. So tell us um, what happened the next day. How did you feel the next morning, especially in comparison to, you know, the deep pain that you'd, you'd been in prior to the visit? Well, it, it, it was amazing. The, I, 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 I did go back to sleep. After that, it was um, as soon as it sort of happened. I, I wanted to wake my husband because he did say if they visit, um, you need to wake me so I can see them or whatever but obviously I explained to him I couldn't because I was paralyzed but yeah so I went back to sleep pretty much straight afterwards and as soon as I woke up in the morning I just grabbed my husband and I just 
they visited Greg, they visited, the, like, and I, I went through the story and told him what happened, and it uplifted me to the point where I could actually get out of bed that day. And the energy in the house was amazingly, it, it didn't seem so heavy. And even Greg, he says, the, the energy in the house has changed, Kath. I said, I know. Like, the light coming through is a different shade, you know, mm. through the windows or it's just, everything just was, you know, five degrees brighter. Just, I don't know. That's not be- not yeah. so much brighter as in light, but yes. brighter as in just, it just wasn't so heavy. Yeah, yeah. And how did you, you feel in your heart? Like, how had your heart changed? I was happy. I was happy because I knew they were okay. Yeah. And it gave me the slightest, the ever so slightest um, notion that it was okay to go on. Yeah. As painful and as hard as that was, like it took years and years, and and I'm still recovering from it. There's not a a week, a day that goes by where something doesn't um, jolt you back to that horrible time yeah but every day just gets that slightest one percent easier mm. you know and I'm, I'm you just you've got to just keep trudging through the mud when you're so exhausted of trying to deal with it you've just got to keep trudging and get out of bed and just move forward and eventually you you slowly come out of the fog it was horrendous at the time, and yes, it helped me move forward the visit, but eh, yeah. ever so slowly. Ever so slowly. So it's coming up to, in a couple of weeks, I believe, the 15th anniversary, is that right? Yes, yes yeah. 15th anniversary. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was going to ask you about that day and how hard that is for you, but I, I think in a way you've answered already by saying that every day... Is yeah, hard. it's just another. Yeah. Um, what do the psychologists call it? Um, a trigger. There's just always ah. another trigger. It can be the most, the smallest little thing. It's just another silly little trigger that takes your head back to that time and what you've lost and you know not seeing your, your girls grow up. Yes, yes, and you, you'd mentioned that there'd been a wedding recently, and that was that was hard for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other little girls that yeah. were their friends, yeah. grown up and congratulate, congratulating each other on, you know, being married and being such a wonderful sister. It was hard to watch. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. As happy as I was for them, it was really hard to watch. Yes, of course. And you said that around you, you've got a, a wonderful group of friends who, who are, are there for you all the time. And how important is that, Kath? immensely important mm. oh, family and friends like without them I I probably wouldn't be here yeah I probably I, I don't know I just and I'm, I, I guess luckily my husband and I stayed together and had another little boy so yeah. um, I guess if we hadn't have stayed together that would have been the last straw but I think nobody could feel the pain that we were feeling mm. and understand that mm. it, it just didn't go away after six months course it, it's there forever it will never go away but the pain just lessens you're able to live with yourself a bit better 
Yes. So, yes, every day, as you say, you make little incremental step towards some semblance meeting of... Them. Yeah, towards meeting. Meet. Trying to stay sane <laughs> and meeting them. And, Kath, um, so you mentioned that th there were some subsequent visits from the girls after that kind of principal visit, but they weren't as intense. So did, yes. w were you able to see them again? Yes, yeah, there were many times I saw them. I ne they never touched me again. Okay. I never heard them again, but I often would see them and then it would lessen to... I could feel their presence in the room. Okay. Um, because, again, I go... I, every, even if they're not, I can't see them, I still get paralysed and I still hear this ringing in my ear. Um, and it, but I knew they were there. So it just, it just every subsequent visit, as I said, just slowly mm. petered out. Although one time, I, my husband had never, he was so desperate to see or hear from them himself. Yep. And he, he, he'd always say, can you wake me? Can you wake me when they're here? And I used to explain to him how I couldn't wake him because I couldn't even speak or move or anything. Yeah. Um, we heard them running down the hallway at Nanny's house. Oh. And he woke up that morning and he was just so chuffed. Because oh. he, he rolled over, he said, did you hear that last night? I said, yeah, did you? <laughs> he said, yeah, the girls running up and down the hallway. I said, yeah, they were. And Nanny, of course, was their lovely grandma, so Greg's mum, yes. who passed away in the accident with the girls. Yes. Yeah, yes. Ba Barbara was her name. Yes, Barbara, yeah. And she'd visit all the time too. Yes, you saw you saw her. Tell tell us about some of those times that you saw Nanny. Well, we I actually only saw her once. Oh, okay. And it's funny, but I always know that someone's there, and I know who it is. Yeah. It's, it's quite a strange sixth sense. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, but this particular time, she we were at her house visiting Pa because now he's on his own. Yeah. Um, and I woke up. I looked up, and here was Nanny standing beside the bed. <laughs> right in front of me and I was like wow hello Nanny thinking in my head again trying to speak when I couldn't but yeah. thinking hello Nanny <laughs> um, and that again was the most intense I had from Nanny I think she probably didn't want to scare me too much Yeah. but it was funny we'd go to bed at night and the bedside clock the electric clock we'd yell out good night Pa good night whoever else is there and the clock would go it's 10.22 and everyone would go good night Nanny <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and how did Nanny look? Like, were you able to see her looking, you know, almost like a person, or was she more no, of an outline? No, it was just this white, and because it was so much taller, the visual aspect, aspect of it, you could see it was Nanny, but again, just this vague white outline. And Nanny actually reached out to Pa on yes. the day of the accident, yes. which... I, you told me about and I put it in the story in Spirit Sisters. Yes. So Pa was, I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Kathy was working in his workshop and he heard yes. her voice. Yeah, he, he was. Um, he, he heard her yell out, Ash, that's what she always called him, and he felt an ice-cold bucket of water be poured over him. That's what he said it felt like. He ran straight inside, being 70-odd, he thought, 70 odd he's run straight inside and turned the radio on yeah and heard that there'd been a massive truck crash at Bulladila mm. he got straight in the car drove straight down there straight in the middle of the, in the incredibly horrific scene and a policeman's 
grabbed him and said, what do you think you're doing, buddy? Mm -hmm. um, and he goes, oh, my wife and my grandchildren are, haven't come home and I'm just worried for them. And he goes, well, what was the number plate on the car? And, of course, Car, pa couldn't under, remember my number. It was my car that they were driving. Right. He couldn't remember my number plate. Um, and he said, oh, it's a Western Australia plate. Well, I'd come back from WA not long before right. family had come back so the wrong plates were on the car and he goes right. oh no actually it was New South Wales and, and there was a bit of a mix up there but in the end the policeman sort of said well whose car is it and he said Catherine Campbell's and Pa just lost his footing and his knees went to jelly oh, and he's just he's gone to to crash on the ground because he knew he knew he knew in his heart of hearts yeah. when that ice cold bucket of water and Barb screaming got tipped on him mm. um, he knew and that's why he raced down there yeah, and it's... as soon as he said Kathy Campbell he goes yeah it was her car he knew he knew without knowing and it was Pa who told you what had happened yeah because amazingly the policeman at Bulladillo yeah his cousin worked with my husband. Oh, I see. And he said that was the only reason they were able to find us so quickly. Because you were in Melbourne on a weekend away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With and Greg. Yeah. Yeah, because they've when they when Pa said he works for a mining company at Warner's Bay, he knew who to ring. So the company, everyone in the company knew what had happened before we did, and. They rang, we were down there with the, from the CEO down. Yep. Um, they rang the CEO and we were with other people from the company and they said, we've got to get back to the, um, the apartment. There's something's happened. Well, I saw when he took that phone call, he, he fell to the ground. My goodness. And I started crying because his wife went running over to him mm -hmm. and when they came to us they're both crying and I said oh my god what's happened to your family what's wrong oh boy I, you could see from their reaction reaction someone had died mm. and I just and I, I actually said that I said what's wrong what's wrong with your family who's died and the, and the ladies looked at me and she said no it's not our family it's yours there's been mm. an accident and I, I immediately I said who's dead because they said the police want to see you and I just I knew the police want to see you someone's dead and I said, who's dead? Is it Barb or the kids? And they, they weren't to tell us. Yeah. We had to go back to the hotel room for the police to speak to us. But in the meantime, we got back to the hotel room. And that's when we were ringing everyone and we thought, we'll ring Pa. And my husband, being as clever as he is, he said, well, if the accident was at Bulladilla, we'll ring Bulladilla Police Station. So with that, we, he rang Bulladilla Police Station um, Glenn Granger, the policeman there, answered the phone and he says, Greg asked him the question, what's happening? And he just passed the phone to Pa. The poor policeman couldn't even oh. utter the words. Oh, yeah. And Pa's just said to Greg, I couldn't hear, it wasn't on speaker, but he just, he said to Greg, they're all gone. Mm. They're all gone, mate. And with that, I'm standing there, oh, look, we were both sitting down, we couldn't stand it, we were just weak, mm. while waiting to hear what exactly has happened he's dropped the phone and his head just fell into his hands the phone's just cracked on the glass table like just the most horrendous sound it was just slow motion and I knew 
and I'm screaming at Greg, what's happened, what's happened, answer me, what's happened? And I've picked up the phone and I said, who is this, who is this? I'm screaming down the phone. Mm. He says, it's par love. I said, what's going on? What par? Tell me, tell me, answer me par. He didn't, he just couldn't spit it out again. Yeah. And he says, they're all gone, love. Oh my goodness. I'm just, tell me you're joking, Pa, tell me you're joking. And he's just, he was silent, he couldn't speak anymore, it was all he could utter. And I've fallen to the floor, my husband's fallen to the floor, we've just laid on, we didn't have the energy to get up and I was just, you've got to be joking, this, not the girls, not the girls. Like being a stay-at-home mum, they were so well behaved, it was just... Oh, it was just horrendous and then having to get on a plane and come straight back home I was just like please let the floor flop. fall out of the plane from under us just just our two seats I don't care just I cried the whole way home and the police met us at Sydney airport it was just the most horrendous drive back from Sydney to Newcastle in the car mm. the company were wonderful that my husband worked for they came and picked us up and brought the car back as well obviously because neither of us could have driven Oh, it was just the most, the most horrendous time. We got home at one o'clock in the morning and friends were waiting for us, thank okay. goodness. So, yeah. But just the eerie, horrible feeling of walking into the house and knowing the girls weren't ever walking back in. I was never going to tuck them in again. I was never yes. going to kiss them, hold them. It was just the most horrible feeling walking into the home. No, it's unfathomable, Kath. It's it unfathomable. It really was. And I think it's a great testament to your love with Greg that you stayed together, as you say, not only stayed together, but you, you clung tighter to each other. It would have, such an ordeal, you know, would, would break many couples. Up. Absolutely. Yeah. Abs and it does, and I've seen it personally. Mm -hmm. Only six months after the girls passed away, another little boy passed away at school he had a terrible farming accident oh no and the mother reached out to me and sort of how do you do it how do you do it and i just tried to just one foot in front of the other just every day is going to give you half a percent of happiness you know just keep keep trudging you'll make it yeah but sadly her and her husband broke up mm -hmm. which i was deeply deeply saddened for her because i knew that it just intensified what she had to deal with but luckily she had other children yes. so that kind of gives you a sense of purpose too where when we lost the girls we lost our family yes. we were no longer a family and so on that you and Greg decided that you would try to have another baby Yes, yeah. And that wasn't easy either, was oh, it, Kath? Along with everything else. Yeah. Case, oh. Insurance companies. Oh. Just, oh, just even having to go to the shops and buy food, just every day was horrendous. And then trying to have a baby, like, really, like, it's not something you really want to even think about. Mm. But you sort of have to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But obviously I was 38 when the accident happened, mm -hmm. so I was hitting 39 and a half, 40 by the time we sort of thought, yes, we should do this. Yep. Obviously my eggs weren't what they needed to be, yep. so we had to go down the, the, the line of IVF. With everything else, I think the stress and everything else, it just 
was the first round didn't work. We were too stressed, too, you know, just so wanting it, so needing it. Um, and probably one of the best things that happened, we um, the company was sold and we took a redundancy and went on a big holiday. Oh, and well, that's good. We where, were able. Yeah, where did you go, Kath? We bought a camper trailer. Yeah. We drove straight up to the, well, stopping along the way up to the tip, back down from Queensland, back down around through Corumba up to Darwin. Oh, wow. Back down through the centre and then home. We were gone for three months. And with that trip, we actually learnt to laugh again. We, he grew his hair, he had a beard, he was, it was just hilarious. We threw away <laughs> our watches. Oh. You didn't need a watch, you lived by the sun. Mm. It was just, it, it recharged us so much that oh. when we got back and started the next round, we were actually in the right frame of mind yeah. to deal with it. Okay. And just luckily, I mean, there were probably five or six miscarriages. I, I did get pregnant, but they were blighted ovums or the technical term for what had gone wrong. Yes. Or I just lost it at eight weeks or right. this sort of thing. And then finally, I was pregnant. And how did that feel, Kath, when you found out you were pregnant? It was horrendous, horrendously scary yep. and horrendously emotionally happy because I knew, even though I was pregnant, I knew, because I'd lost a baby as well, I accidentally had fallen pregnant and we didn't know before the girls passed away, I knew that I could lose the baby at any stage of the pregnancy. Okay. And I knew until that baby was in my arms, we weren't out of the woods. And it was just a, it was a nervous wait for nine months. And when I finally went in it, um, I think it was about eight weeks, for six or eight weeks for the, to see if they could hear a heartbeat. I think it might even be 10 weeks when you can hear a heartbeat, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. It was a fair, little way down the track. Yeah. They checked the heartbeat and the nurse that was helping me with the IVF came with me because my husband was away on work. She came with me because it was so important to her too that I, we were pregnant. She came with me to see about the heartbeat and it was so funny because the lady doing the ultrasound didn't say anything. This nurse, she saw it and heard it first and no. she screamed. <laughs> she was so excited. I was like, are you sure? How sure are you? Are you both sure? <laughs> like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was a really, really happy time. And then ringing my husband and he was on Joel's Bridge heading home, didn't quite make it. Um, and he was happy as Larry, just, yeah, and could you, hear it in his voice. Oh, I can oh my goodness, that must have been beautiful. And the, even your neighbours were excitedly waiting for the news, weren't they? And you had had a system. <laughs> if I beep twice, tell us yeah, about if that. I beep, if I, yeah, because they were all like, you've got to tell us when you're going to have the baby, you've got to tell us. I said, righto, here's the signal. I'll beep twice as we're driving out the driveway, <laughs> so you know. So we've driven out and two neighbours, one was down the street a bit, um, they looked over and we're waving and smiling and they're like, hands over their mouths like, oh my God. <laughs> and then we had to go around the corner, so the neighbour on the corners peered out the window looking at who's beeping and we're waving to her, so... The street knew pretty much straight away. <laughs> um, and literally, I went in at, oh, maybe four o'clock in the Arvo. Yeah. Because um, I, I knew to just hang on till it was, you know, 
um, going to happen. Yeah. Um, so we went in at about four o'clock. And yeah. Seven o'clock we had him. They said, okay, we'll move you up to the ward. And I said, no, you won't. We're going to be a family. I'm going home. And we got straight, well, you're not allowed to get straight in the car, but we had to wait four hours to make sure Bub and I were okay. Yeah. And so we literally had him at seven o'clock. We're home by 11. And what was it like to, to meet Tom? Awesome. Awesome. It was surreal. It was just, oh, I don't know if you can put it into words. Mm. Just, I think anyone who's ever had a child will answer that for themselves. Yes, yes. That's they will, because mm. it's just, it's, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to answer it, really. It's just, it was the most amazing feeling, just being a family again. And I'm sure that over the years you've um, told Tom so much about his sisters. Yeah, we absolutely did. Yeah. Um, I'd be feeding him, and I'd, even if he's half awake, half asleep, and I was putting him in the bed, we'd walk past the girl's picture. I said, that's your sisters, Becky and Jessie, they're in heaven. He knew there was never going to be a shock moment for him. I wanted him to know full well what had happened, and, and he did. He, he absolutely understood they were in heaven with Nanny and me and Dad are down here looking after him. Yeah, okay. And I think and I think that leads on to when my husband passed away, poor little Tom was only five years old. Yes. He just started kindergarten. Oh, goodness. I had to pick him up after work. He sat on my lap and I said to him, Tommy, I've got some really bad news, buddy. I said, Dad's passed away. He's just looked at me. He went into shock because he knew what I was saying at five years old. He just sat there and I had to shake him. Like, Tom, are you okay, darling? It's gonna be okay, mate. Like, and he's just sitting on my lap. He couldn't move. He was stunned, absolutely Mm. stunned. Mm. And he just started crying. And that was the most horrendous night putting him to bed, just trying to have a normal life again. It was just the most, uh, another, the second most horrendous time of my life. Yes, because, um, so Kath, uh, that was five years ago that you tragically lost Greg in a, was it a hunting accident? Yeah, he slipped and tripped and accidentally shot himself in the, just above his right knee. My goodness. And he's managed to hit both the arteries running down the back of his leg and because he was so in such a remote area, um, he's people stopped and tried to help him, but what Greg had done, he'd taken off his belt and put it around his leg and tried to pull it tight. Mm. But obviously he's losing blood and the people that came along tried to keep it tight and stop the blood flow, but if they'd have thought maybe a better bandage right it might have made a difference right like everyone was so stressed I yeah yeah it was just a horrendous scene and a horrendous accident and but yeah if they did if someone had just thought maybe a little bit more pressure to try and stop the bleeding and he literally literally bled out and the, the ambulance finally got to him he got into the ambulance but he arrested in the ambulance and he never came back and so how did you keep on going after this? Well, I guess, like I said before, with that the other lady at school that lost mm. her son, mm. um, 
she had a purpose she still had other children mm -hmm. and I think that was now my fate I I had a purpose I couldn't fall to pieces this time I had no choice in the matter and I and I think once you've lost your children you can handle anything yeah once you once you do it's you truly can like I, I, I see people's houses get burnt down and they say, I've lost everything. And I said, I, I sit here and I think to myself, you've lost nothing. I'll burn my house down and give me my children back. I'll, I'll gladly, I'll light the match. Yes, <laughs> yes, Just, yes. Yeah. And Kath, do you think it helped you some, in some small measure in the wake of losing Greg, having had that, that experience seeing the girls' spirits more than once, do you think that helped you in terms of reassuring you that, in a way, Greg was still with you? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I was happy in a way as well because I thought he's now looking after the girls. Okay. He's giving, he's giving Nanny some relief. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, but that's what was in my head and that's what kept me happy. So I was happy thinking it and believing it. Yep. Yep. And I, I knew I was going to do the best I could down here with Tom, and I knew he was going to be doing the best he could up there with the girls. Yep. So you're a family in two places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I, we, yep. I, I would prefer that we all be here. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's, yeah, it's just not to be at this stage. And tell me, Kath, have you ever sensed Greg around you? Funnily, no. I was. I, I wonder that... No, I, I haven't really, and I wonder if that's because I was so cranky with him for leaving us. Yes. I was just so angry, just how can this happen? Like, I really, I've only known that he's been, I've woken up and I've sort of felt those senses, and I know he was there, but I didn't see him. Okay. And I was just like, hello, Greg, I knew it was Greg. And I said, hello, Greg, we're doing okay, buddy, like thinking to myself yeah and really really that's all I've, I've really had from him okay just a sense a sense of his presence yeah from time to time yeah which I, I don't understand but I thought because I thought he would visit me more strongly and I would I would talk to myself out aloud and say Greg bring the girls can you all visit ah <laughs> yes yeah like a phone call I'm just Bring, bring, the, bring mum, bring the girls, everybody, come and visit. I'm not afraid. I know you're not going to hurt me. Like, yes. I, I want to see you all. Like, but, yeah, it wasn't to be. Okay. And, Kath, prior to your experiences seeing the girls, their spirits, and later sensing their spirits and sensing Greg's spirits, prior to all of this, did you believe in life after death? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, unequivocally, and that was the difference with me and my husband. Yeah. He didn't so much, and I thought that was another reason maybe why he didn't visit. Because I'd, I'd even seen his father when he passed away. He was the first person I ever saw. Really? Tell us about that. He had passed away from melanoma. Mm -hmm. That was in 2000. And we'd visit him in the hospice, and I would sit there, and towards the end, as anyone would know, if they've lost a loved one in that way, they just sleep the last couple of days before they they leave us yeah and I would go in there and I would just sit there and I would rub his arm I'd say we're here Poppy we're here we're here with you darling you go when you're ready buddy chatting to him and always holding his arm or his hand and this night I woke up 
again, my ears were ringing, I was numb, I mm -hmm. couldn't move, mm -hmm. and I felt this tingling just above my wrist. And I've opened my eyes, and I looked at the curtain, and it had flowers on it. And because it was the first time anyone visited, I was terrified, and I thought, that's Poppy. I could see, even with the curtain behind him, I could see his face, this, just this white outline of his face, and that was all that he showed to me. And I think that's why I knew not to blink with the girls, because as soon as I blinked, I, I kind of blinked to think, am I asleep, am I awake, am I dreaming? And I blinked, and he instantly disappeared. That yeah. was why I knew not to blink when I saw the girls. It's like somehow the blink cuts off the connection, somehow, it yeah. It does, and I don't understand that either, yeah. but... Yeah, it does. How did um, Greg feel when you told him that you'd seen his dad? I'm not sure he believed me. Because uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure myself. I'm, I, I was still... Did that really happen? Yeah, wow. So that was the first ever time. So as a little girl, you'd never experienced anything of this nature? No, and maybe I wasn't attuned to it. Yeah. I, I, I often think that myself, or, or did I and I not realise? Yeah. Or... Yeah, I just don't know. But, yeah, that was the first profound moment that I had. And, Kath, you know, you've suffered more loss than, than most people. How um, Have you clung to faith or any, um, anything, any system, any system of belief? Is it, what is helping you through this apart from the loving support of your family and friends? Nothing. Nothing, just the experiences of seeing the spirits and feeling them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that Actually, that would be the number one, yeah. seeing the spirits and knowing they're okay. Wow. I, I, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there is a God because how could there possibly be one to do that to children or not in my realm? It, it's a crazy thing to say because so many people believe in God and so many people believe in what we're talking about. Mm -hmm but I'm not sure, I don't know if the two mix. I, mm -hmm. Maybe they do, but they don't for me. Well, that's understandable, you know. Yeah. And I think um, that's one of the things that I, I've never forgotten about your experience is the intense power of the experience and what it did. I mean, I think in all of the years of speaking to women who've had experiences, seeing spirits and or spirits of loved ones there's only been two times where um, ladies have told me that's actually stopped them from taking steps towards suicide and you're one of them absolutely and that's amazing it's the, it's the relief from the grief mm. that they give us mm. it's that smallest increment that everything is okay tells you to keep moving forward it's incredibly powerful it and is, absolutely. Does Tom know about how you've seen the girls? His no, sisters? he doesn't actually. No, I've <laughs> okay. not actually gone down that road. Maybe I should. Uh, has he ever reported sensing them or any experiences? No. Okay. No. But actually, I th that is a, a very valid point. I, know, I think I might even just talk to him about that because I know even my mother, I only know of one time it happened to her. Yeah. And that was when she was dying. Oh, really? Um, and I, I sort of said to her, Mum, sort of tongue-in-cheek, if you see the girls, can you please bring them back yeah. and come and visit me? And she goes, they're here now. Oh. I said, what? Oh, no, she might have said they were here this morning. Mm -hmm. I said, were they? And she said, I said, what happened? 
and it was amazing. I didn't want to give away what my experience was to tank what she was going to tell me. And she said, I went numb and I said, did anything else happen? And she says, yeah, this funny noise in my ears. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. And I thought she saw them. And I said, where were they? And she said, they were just standing at the end of the bed in the hospital. I just, I burst into tears. Mm. I was just like, they're still around. I mean, that was in 2008. She passed away when I was pregnant with my son. Oh, my goodness. Was your mum, yeah. she was not well? No, she had breast cancer. And, oh, God, Cass. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot for one woman. Yeah, never ends. <laughs> <laughs> and you I'm laugh, like, which is so I'm amazing and so inspiring. I'm just like, well, what's next? Yeah. Like, there's going to be a next. There's always going to be a next, and there's going to be a next for everybody. Yes, yes. And it's just... Uh, people talk about resilience, teaching the kids resilience at school, and I, I say to everyone... You can't be taught resilience. You actually learn it for yourself through the adversity that you face. Yes. They, you just you cannot teach resilience. I, I don't understand why they say they can do that or they try to do that because you, you just can't. No one taught me to be resilient until I had to deal with numerous deaths and mm -hmm. moving mm -hmm. and on your own and just everything. Just as a single mum now, it's just get up, get the child to school, you need to be resilient, there's no choice in the matter. And that's, that's so true, there are certain things, and resilience is one of them, that you know, we can only learn through the, through the you know, walking through that fire. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely true. And so, Cass, if you had to um, sum up what it meant to you to have that experience seeing your beautiful girls again that night in the story that I called the homecoming what would you yeah. say How, what would you say about that inexplicably saved my life it gave life to Tom it's probably made more people than myself happy mm -hmm. because if I was to have joined them joined the girls that is there would have been more people suffering the grief of this horrific accident and I think not only did they save me they saved a whole lot of a whole lot more grief that everyone else would have to deal with I don't know if I put that right yes that that's amazing that's an amazing reflection and and you know that ripple effect would yeah. have, as you said too, it um, in matters you know in ways small and large. Like on one end of the spectrum, you wouldn't have Tom. There'd be no Tom in, yeah. in life. So all of those people yeah. that now know him, yeah, they wouldn't have his friendship. Yeah, it just it, it's amazing how it just steps up and down and yes, sideways. And, the, you know, in another way, you were telling me about the lady who sadly lost her little boy and you were there for her yes. as well. Like, you wouldn't have been there for her in that moment when perhaps you were the only person who could understand her pain Absolutely. in that moment. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and funnily, I, I, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. Her children were older than mine. Um, but she, she did say to me later, thank you for coming to the funeral. It meant a lot, even though I, I couldn't. I couldn't give her a kiss or a cuddle. I didn't want to invade her space because mm -hmm. I didn't know her, but I, I wanted to show her support and that we can do this. And she thanked me later and we caught up and, yeah. 
Well, Kath, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Um, before we, we finish today, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to add? Just to let everybody know that we're doing okay. Oh, well, that's very important. We're doing okay. Thank you. And thank you very much, um, Kath. It's, been, it's just been lovely catching up, and I, I really wish you every joy. I wish you love and, and happiness, and um, please keep in I touch. Have it. Your wish has come true. I, <laughs> I am so pleased to hear that. <laughs> and I'm pleased to hear your laughter. That is wonderful. Absolutely. After all these years that we've not Absolutely. talked. <laughs> well, the last time I think we, we talked verbally. We um, did, about Oprah Winfrey, I think. Oh, yes, yes, that's right, it was too. <laughs> to, yeah. to fill in the listeners, um, Kathy's a big fan of Oprah's, and um, when Oprah came here, you might remember the year, Kath, I don't. About 2000 and... Oh, actually, it was only about five years ago. About five years ago, Before. yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, and um, I, was, I worked at a magazine, and I was trying to find a way to see if I could get you there. Um, to meet her. <laughs> oh, God, love her. Yeah, I don't know if oh. I ever told you that. And, no, um, you did Aha, uh -huh, well, it's all coming out now. Oh, wow. And I was unsuccessful, so I tried oh, really God, hard her. and I got as close as I could, but I just, oh. you know, and so I shared your story with the, the publicist in charge of Oprah and I was trying, but I didn't get there. But you oh. went to see her, though, didn't you? And you enjoyed yeah, it. Did. Yeah, did. Me and my girlfriend, my very 35-year-old, 35 years together friend, wow. uh, friendship we both went and yeah oh and you know, see this is what I'm talking about it's those little things even though you didn't get me in it's those things that keep me going mm -hmm. those uh, I couldn't care less now that you didn't get me in yeah I, yeah. I actually care more that you actually tried oh wow <laughs> that's amazing look oh. you never told me that no, I didn't because I'd wanted to tell you with good news and then when exactly. it didn't happen, it, I thought... But that's, that's lovely to know that that means so much that I even tried. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I, I, I sincerely appreciate that, Karina. Well, let's, so much. let's not give up on that. You never know yeah. where this podcast could reach. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm hearing you. Yeah. Well, I will be hearing you when I listen to it. <laughs> yes, you will indeed. And hopefully Ms Winfrey will be listening one day as well and we'll never know. <laughs> yes, yeah, she owes me. She should see all the paraphernalia I bought at that at Sydney when she was here. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed, you know, and we'll see what happens. happens. I, I yeah. don't feel too bad about that, actually, Kath. I'm, yeah. I, you never know. No, hmm. you, you absolutely <laughs> don't. You see, there's, a, there's another good thing that could come of all of this tragedy. Exactly, exactly. never would have happened otherwise, so... Oh, well, always, that, always on the up and up. And that's what I love about you and your story, Kath, and that's why I'm, I'm so eternally grateful that you've made the time to speak with me today. And thank you. And we'll, yeah, we'll be in touch. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Karina. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, Kath. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.